Hello beautiful and welcome to Pure Happy Healthy. This is a podcast all about mindfulness in different fields that are dear to my heart. Join me for Mindful Me sessions, Mindful Model, Mindful Mensch and Mindful Master and dive in to beautiful conversations. Hi and welcome to another Mindful Model episode. I'm super happy you could join me today and I hope you're well in these super crazy times. It just feels like more and more stuff is coming up in the world and yeah, I can understand so much that it's not easy for each and single one of us in the different ways. But I hope you're staying motivated to get through this and I hope you stay pure, happy, healthy. Um, and yeah, it's so important that you take good care of yourself in these times. And I really hope that this podcast inspires you in a way that you can just stay with yourself and yeah, get through this in a really sane and safe way. Um, yeah, that being said, I would love to introduce the guest for today. I'm speaking with Danielle Copperman, who's a British model, but she's also an entrepreneur and a writer, and she's all about well-being and natural living. She was discovered as a model when she was only 15 years old, and so she was super young and uh, along her modeling journey she started working on a variety of many projects which uh, led her into healthy nutrition and healthy life lifestyle she's as she says a natural living and life design expert trained in diet and nutrition and holistic massage and strala yoga And she's such an amazing person because she does so many things at the same time, which, you know, I'm, I'm always up for because I'm also doing this. And she really came to do all these projects out of her own necessity as a model, where she was discovering that healthy living as a model is maybe sometimes not so easy. And that really led her to her path and also to inspire so many other people with her personal story. We speak about how she started her business with only 21 years and how she just went for it without actually knowing what is involved and how she got the bravery to do it, about intuition but also as her life as being discovered as a model very young and all about her healthy living. So I wish you a lot of joy listening to this episode and hope you get inspired by her as a person and everything that she does. And if you want to support me and also find out more about Danielle, you can become a Patreon. You can visit the page Patreon and go to Leandra Haupt, where you find 22 questions answered by Danielle and so much more podcast episode that exclusively are there. And you can join for only five euro a month. This is just as much as one coffee and you can help me continue creating good and valuable content and you get so much value because you get access to all these exclusive bonuses. So join me at Patreon at Leandra Haupt and now let's get into this episode. Yeah, so today I got Danielle in the conversation with me. So hi and welcome to Pure Happy Healthy. Hi, thank you for having me. 
Yeah, before we get started, I would love to know what did you have for breakfast this morning? Um, this morning I had a cup of Earl Grey tea, which is really British, but I don't usually drink tea. It's just at the moment I can't really like tolerate coffee super early in the morning. Um, so I had some tea and these like snacks that I made for a recipe that I filmed yesterday, they're like cacao and cornflakes and sunflower seeds. They're kind of more like a snack, but I had that for breakfast because I didn't get around to making anything properly yet. <laughs> it's close to Christmas as we're recording, so I guess yeah. very well like the Christmas cookies. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, it's totally acceptable to have chocolate for breakfast right now. <laughs> Yeah, perfect. That's that's the holidays. Yeah. I'd like to introduce yourself a little bit. I think it's always best to let people speak for themselves. Who is Danielle? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so I'm a model and author of uh, a cookbook called Wellbeing, um, which is a cookbook, but also half kind of ritual based as well. Um, and I'm also a freelance writer in wellness and lifestyle and I have a food brand too called Quinola. So we make quinoa based granolas which are all vegan and gluten free with no refined sugar and I run that at the moment with a small team um, alongside kind of modeling and digital work and stuff like that. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. <laughs> Wow, so many cool things. <laughs> How did the the thing with the cookbook and your interest in cooking started? Actually, it was all pretty much because of modeling. Um, I moved to London from a small town called Bath in England when I was 18. So I started modeling when I was 15 and then I moved to kind of full time when I left school when I was 18. And I was like, put together with these two models from my agency who I'd never met. I walked into the house that we were starting to rent and I'd never met them. And we were all kind of like 18 and all kind of like, we need to start cooking for ourselves way more. We need to do our grocery shopping more. Like it, we were all kind of a bit lost in like, not looking after ourselves, but like knowing what was really good to cook and eat. And I had like a tiny bit of pressure from my agency at the time, just because I was kind of, growing into more of a womanly shape and they were kind of very on top of what I was eating and how I was working out and stuff. So I felt like there was just this kind of lack of knowledge um, on like what I was supposed to be cooking and eating and then a, an added pressure in terms of keeping it like super healthy as well to stay in shape. So I just started to um, study like a diet and nutrition diploma when I was modeling like just kind of on the side and um, I started working out with a personal trainer for the first time ever I'd like never been to a gym and I just really got like super passionate about food and fitness and that's kind of where it was started and I tried a few different diets I tried a few different things like raw food and juicing and this was like probably 2012 I guess so it was kind of very new in in London especially like we were just getting like cold pressed juice bars opening and like cycled studios and stuff so I was just trying loads of things and learning a lot of things and just got really in, interested in food and nutrition and I started to eat more kind of paleo foods and 
So that meant I started cutting out oats and uh, like a lot of other things. But before that, I had been obsessed with granola and I used to eat like shop-bought granola all day, like every day for breakfast as a snack, like so much granola. And I thought like, this is the healthiest thing ever. It was all over the press, like granola is so healthy. And then I was like reading the packets. The more I learned about nutrition, I was like, this is actually the second ingredient is sugar. And <laughs> I'm getting bloated because it's like all gluten and stuff. And like, I was just learning about so much. And so then when I started eating more paleo, I cut oats out of my diet. I stopped eating completely refined sugar. And so I started making different alternatives for myself and for my flat flatmates. And that kind of is where the idea of uh, quinola came in and I started using like buckwheat and quinoa flakes and puffed quinoa to make my own granola from home as like this really easy, ready to eat breakfast that we could eat kind of before shoots or at shoots and just, it wouldn't be like causing bloating and would give us more energy and stuff like that. So that's kind of where it started. <laughs> Wow, so you were 15 when you got scouted. So when did you start your company? You must have been really young. Yeah, um, so I was 15 when I got scouted, 18 when I moved to London. And then I started the company when I was 21, I'd say officially. But I remember I was living in New York when I was 20. And I got a lot of inspiration there. And I, I spent a lot of time kind of working on the business before I actually launched it. And to be honest, I mean... I was making it for me and my flatmates. I had these little pots that I would put it in and they started taking it like backstage to shows because I was more commercial, they were more like editorial. So they were taking it backstage. And then before I even had like a proper business idea or like proper packaging, I was just creating like on mass production at home for like uh, shows backstage and stuff for like the models to eat at fashion shows and events and stuff. So that's kind of how it started. And then through word of mouth, people were ordering it from me directly. And then a cafe took it before I'd even really, I never sat down and was like, oh, I'm going to make a business and I need to think of something to make. And like, I had no, I still haven't done a business plan for the business. I never had any real plans. And I think it was just, I had the luxury of course of being supported by like modeling at that stage so it was kind of a hobby and then it just kind of snowballed and and I'm really lucky that it kind of happened quite naturally like that. Wow yeah. that is such a beautiful story and I think that often the biggest companies actually come from ideas that come out of own needs and yeah see a lack and then you just started for yourself and as you said then the snowball effect comes in i've often wondered actually why especially on on model shoots and on set there's such unhealthy food which makes you bloated makes you not fulfilled and mm -hmm. is full of sugar and preservatives and it's like i cannot understand why that is because you want models to be slim usually um yeah at least in the in the main um, category for models and then you put a, a lot of unhealthy food in, in front of them and then afterwards you want to fit the thin clothes again yeah <laughs> what is that about and also at the runway shows either there's no food at all and then people faint 
or mm -hmm. the unhealthy food, which makes you uncomfortable, go out on the runway. So um, this is such a market gap that you discovered there. And um, it's just such a good idea. And uh, yeah, so what gave you the basically the courage to make then a company out of it? Because I think it must be such a difference from doing it at home and just doing it for friends and then taking that decision and saying, okay, I actually make my own company out of it and even employ people and work mm. with a team. I feel like this is another big step and you were still really young. So mm. that inside of you, that's where you said, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm ready to bring this to the next level. Um, I think it's a good question because I know that a lot of girls and people in the industry are like always wanting to start something new and it's a really scary idea which I think is why I never had the idea like I'm going to make a business because I think it would have been a lot more intimidating for me but um so I started off making them in my kitchen and then through that I kind of made friends in the industry and like more the food and wellness industry and I had some some women my kind of age well a little bit older who were making like uh, fresh almond milk companies. And I was just super inspired. And I was like, this is like really what I want to do. And like, there's so much bad stuff on the market and in supermarkets, there's really not like fresh almond milk that's squeezed by hand at 5 a.m. in the morning. They used to get up in their like studio and, and, and squeeze these almonds they'd soaked overnight. And I was like, even if you buy like the best almond milk in a supermarket, it's not that fresh. It's going to have additives because it has to be like shelf stable. So I was just so inspired and I was like, this is like, cool. This is fun. I'm enjoying it. I'm learning so much. Why not just give some more time to it? And I think it just, I was lucky because I had demand at the same time. So like people were coming and asking for it backstage at like these amazing shows that I'd never modeled for. And I was just like, amazing. I can work with people in this industry in a completely different way. And also support like so many of my friends in the industry. And, and I know how people feel like you're saying backstage and on set and stuff. It's like the worst thing when you don't feel like you can eat or you know, you don't feel comfortable with what's like being offered and, so I just felt really genuinely deep down, like motivated to do it for that, like other people. And um, yeah, the people in my network in the wellness industry, they were just really helpful. And I remember being like, wow, the wellness industry people are so encouraging and helpful. There's no competition, like in, in fashion where there's like a, quite a bit of competition. And so I was just, I mean, I would go to some people's studio sometimes where I would take someone for a coffee and just ask them some questions and be like, can you like give me any advice? And that was the best way for me to get like, not like reading online, not doing like a business course, like hearing from people actually doing it and like building something from nothing. It was just like so helpful and so inspiring. And um, at that time, a few of the brands were in like the Selfridges Food Hall in London. And they were like the first kind of stockists to be really open to more healthy products. They were getting on top, like the trends so much. And so I think I emailed them and I was just like, this would be like a great dream to get into Selfridges. So I was like, I'll just email them. Like I just see what they say. And she replied, like, you have to find the buyer. So it takes ages. And I think I asked some friends if they would like introduce me to their buyer um, because it's not easy and 
she replied, she was like, oh, we've already tried your products. Um, someone will be in touch soon. So I was like, they must have tried it at an event or something. And um, then they invited me in for a meeting. And I remember taking my dad to the meeting <laughs> because I was 21, I think. And I didn't have proper packaging. I took this kind of tub and I was like, this is maybe how it's going to look for like, I don't know yet. Um, just so they could try the product and I think I was just so lucky that she was so uh, she was also encouraging she was really helpful she was like you need to develop maybe two or three more flavors um, show me the packaging as you develop it and maybe I can give you some um, advice and stuff and she sent us all the documents for like the legal requirements of what you need to put on a packet um, and so I left that meeting feeling like she's really on board with this and if I work really hard to kind of deliver what she's just explained to me I could get this into a, a store and like an amazing it's like one of the biggest food halls in the world um it just kind of made me feel like it was really a unique idea and I think that's what definitely gave me the motivation because I just developed another oat-based granola with sugar and all the all the normal stuff there's so many on the market and I think for me that's definitely one of the ways that I've been successful in the, the business is because it doesn't exist and it's a niche product so buyers are interested they're not like they get so many samples every day so they're not just kind of like bored of trying the same old thing so I think if you have a really unique idea that's definitely the key but also yeah I think just the people in my network and the other brands that were starting from a really small um, idea was just really inspiring for me at that stage. Mm, yeah, yeah, I think one point is the niche idea, but then I think there's so much mindset involved in starting a company because it is an inside job as well, having the courage and having the willpower um, and just going for it and, and pursuing your idea because you believe in your idea. I think that's mm. really key um, for not giving up on the way. And even if you have obstacles, if you believe in your product because it was created out of an own need and it, you also would use it and you're convinced of it, I think that makes such a difference than someone who just creates a product because they see a need somewhere and they don't really uh, stand behind it. And mm. said you, you just went to these events and you just ask people for advice and you just send people emails randomly asking basically, <laughs> we get in touch for this. So I think this is really also about bravery to just go out and show yourself and not being also afraid to show your product, but also show yourself and, and ask for advice. Like, why not? I think we're, we're all humans and we can help and inspire each other on so many ways. So a lot of people I feel are really afraid to take this help. This is so incredible that you already were doing this in such a young age and mm -hmm. you really have my full respect for that. Oh, thank you. I think it's definitely like also at that age you kind of have less fear and maybe I was naive in a way because I didn't know the first thing about business and I didn't really know anything about food until I started training so I think I was just kind of like I think I'd met someone who owned the the Koyo brand you know the coconut yogurt mm, yeah it's a brand in England 
and I'd met her like in a food event. So I just emailed her. I was like, can we go for coffee? I've got some like questions. Like, and I remember taking like this list of things, like, how do you do this? Where do you buy these labels from? Like so many things. And I just, I'm really grateful. And it always will be that they gave me some time to just share things with me. And, and nowadays you do come across more commonly, I think more competitive people in the industry because it's such a big industry and it's such a growing industry. And I think people are quite protective of their ideas or everyone wants to have this new trend and everyone wants to develop something new. So definitely when I meet people who are a bit more like holding their cards close to their chest and they don't really want to tell you much, it just, it makes me feel kind of not for my, for my need because I don't really need that advice anymore, but I just hope that people inspired to start something as well will, will find the right people to kind of help them on their journey and if anyone ever emails me I'm always like I'll take time to read this email properly and just give them a few notes that would help them because I think that's basically how I got to where I am and I think it's how we all get to move forward in life it's like no one really knows anything unless we're educated or we learn from experience and so I think it's such an amazing um opportunity to get to speak to other people about their journey as well yeah and i think when we can inspire each other and help each other then that's where we actually grow and can move further as a as a humanity because yeah we all basically have to learn from each other that's why we're not alone on the planet and that's why yeah. a group people and that's what we're here for and there are so many problems out there that want to be solved so i think if everyone is just egocentric working on their way on stuff, then we won't be able to, to solve some solutions, uh, to get some solutions, solve some problems um, about climate change, about uh, trash is issues, recycling, and uh, there's so much stuff going on. So how would an individual without any help uh, like be able to solve this? This is, uh, is this yeah. work. Um, yeah. So going back to, to modeling, um, how was that for you in terms of competition with the modeling? Did you often have the, um, the thought of needing to compare yourself? or I, Because I know it, it can be quite competitive, especially mm -hmm. when you have castings and stuff like this. So how was that for you? Um, I think it was okay. I think um, when I was younger, I was not really that aware of it so much I was just well I was doing more like direct booking so I kind of felt like that was fine for me as like that was when I was like 15 to 18 and then when I got to London definitely it was overwhelming sometimes in castings for me and I would always like look at other people and I would never be like comparing but I would always be like wow she's beautiful or like I would I would like really admire other people's beauty and looks and sometimes of course I'd be like I wish I looked more like that or I wished I looked more like that like obviously it's kind of natural and I do compare myself to people a lot like in terms of business and other things now so it's always something I did and even at school I always did it as well so um but in terms of like competition it was actually okay for me I think like I was really lucky to be very close with the girls I moved in with into the flat and um, we had very different careers, so I was very commercial. I was out every day at ASOS and modeling like seven days a week, pretty much sometimes. And um, 
just for like regular clients, but it was not getting my book up. It was nothing really fun, like editorials and stuff. And then my flatmates would be out kind of shooting Burberry every day or shooting like campaigns a few times a month and doing all the catwalks, like all the high fashion stuff. And I do obviously remember being like, that's so cool. And like, I'd love to work for that brand. And, but I never felt like disheartened by it or like that I was never good enough. I just, it was nice to have that kind of separation of it being kind of different kinds of the, um, the industry. So we were all working very well. And I think that helped me not to be too like competitive because if I'd been sat at home doing nothing, I obviously think it would have affected me a lot. Um, but I think it's important to know that I mean, I think everyone learns somewhere along the way in modeling that it's not really anything personal, even though it is based on your, your looks and that is you. It's sometimes just they're looking for like a blonde girl and you have brown hair or they're looking for someone just that's not the same looking as you. So it's, it's hard sometimes if you really want a job and you really want to work with a client, but then I think you just have to definitely develop a thick skin. And I think I did that quite early on. And um, luckily I have an amazing support system like in my family and with my friends. So if I was ever really upset about something, they would really make me kind of much more grounded about things. And yeah, so I didn't struggle too much with it, but I think definitely it's good to have like a, a support system and a group of friends in, in the industry who you, you're all going to be different and you're all going to go through the same things pretty much in the industry. So it's nice to have friends you can really trust and talk to and lean on and stuff, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. I think especially so young like you were when you started, um, it's so important that you have a support system and um, yeah, like people to talk to about your, about your problems and then also maybe modeling friends who understand your perspective. Mm. Sometimes people from outside don't really under, understand what you're going through. So I yeah. Really, um, yeah, good thing. But something that came in mind when you said like all your flatmates or modeling friends, you thought they were shooting even better jobs than you or mm -hmm. your clients or whatever. It is so strange. I, I feel we always have these goals where we want to get to and for me that was always like walking a runway show in New York and Paris it was like mm -hmm. oh, I do this and then at one moment I was at that point where I was walking these shows there but then after that I mean obviously you have that short feeling of happiness you're like yeah mm -hmm. but then afterwards you you tell yourself you're like oh okay but I wish I would have walked for an even bigger designer on that show mm -hmm. <laughs> walk in London or in my land or in Milan um, and so like if you're not already satisfied with your work at the moment I feel or with everything that you do you won't be satisfied when you get there do you know what I mean is that also something that you experienced definitely I think that's something I hold very much in mind throughout life in general is like when you have these goals and end goals you're focused on being happy when you get something as soon as you get there it's it's very short-lived and it can feel good and you can feel like you've achieved something but we never stay there and there's always this up and down of life where we have more goals and it's good to have goals and to achieve things but it's like we never stop and really like enjoy the moment that we've achieved or 
think like this is where I really wanted to be last year and now I'm here and you don't really sit and like enjoy it properly because you're then like oh but I want to do this now and like so definitely I have that always coming into mind throughout life but I think um yeah definitely had moments like that in modeling like I was shooting in Vogue I was walking a catwalk show actually more recently I think it was 2018 and my first agency ever was always like you're really commercial you're never going to be on the runway and I was like okay I like kind of just totally let it define me and I remember in the back of my mind always being like I'm not an editorial girl I'm not a show girl like just let it completely define me and I remember I was doing much more work in like wellness and like manifestation and stuff is like one of my areas and I was like I'm just gonna start thinking differently about this because who says I can't do a catwalk show and you know I don't know where it came from but I was just really inspired one day and I was like I'm gonna do a catwalk if it's meant for me I'm gonna like walk a show and like I didn't really get specific on what it was gonna be for or who it was gonna be for but literally like two weeks later I, I walked for Dolce and Gabbana <laughs> and I was just like this is insane but it was a mixture of things it was like a, a different kind of show it wasn't like just models it was kind of like socialites or, or other public figures in the show as well so I was kind of like there's allowance and like anything can happen I don't have to just think especially now like there are a lot of a lot of shows where there's plus size models and just people who aren't even models you know and and I think it's just nice to have that open mind and um to back to your question that that was something that was like a goal of mine and I definitely enjoyed it and I'm so happy that I had the opportunity and it's an amazing part of my career but also I've I've still I'm still looking ahead to like other things now so <laughs> yeah definitely. yeah I think it's it's a balance it's being happy where you're already now and showing gratitude and being fulfilled what you do but then also having the goal uh, goals where you want to get to and manifesting i love manifesting <laughs> yeah. um and then having the goals so you know where you want to go next and don't let yourself as you said um be put into a category for the longest time i always thought that i'm not a commercial model because i mm. have pretty fashion look as I got told so every time I, I completely blocked and said okay I'm I'm not a commercial model I, I don't look like this I cannot do that um, but then it happened that I got a commercial job and then that's what I when I realized it was like oh actually that worked for me so I really manifested a lot of more commercial jobs into my life and um, I think it's so important to keep in mind that you got all the opportunities um, and not to let other people talk you out of it and not to block yourself also from getting where you want. And I think you are a really good example because as you were just saying that you made the runway, you know, for even for Dolce mm. and you started your own company when you were 21. So um, even if people would probably from the outside say with 21, you cannot start an own company yeah. and you don't have experience, whatever. Um, but then just sticking true to yourself and listening to yourself. So you just brought up that you love manifesting and that you manifest mm. things in your life. I have some special episodes just on that topic. So if any of the listeners want to cool. dive deeper there, you can check out, I, I don't know which number it is, but um, yeah, it's uh, somewhere in my, <laughs> in my feed. Yeah. There. 
Um, but how does manifesting work for you? Do you have a special technique that you're using or a special method? Um, not really. I've been really working with it for a couple of years now, but um, I have like my own kind of formula, I guess, that I've taken from different books and different teachers and stuff like that. And for me, the one, I guess, one of the main things I would say is that self-worth plays like the biggest part in manifesting what you want because like it's like what I said about the Dashi Kabana show it's like as soon as you stop thinking oh, I'm never going to do that and I'm not good enough and I'm not editorial enough and I'm not tall enough or whatever it as soon as you change your mindset and self-worth is about kind of it's like self-confidence but it's it's more about like how you tell yourself what you're worthy of and what you're deserving in the in the world and then that is mirrored back to you it kind of matches your energy and your mindset so as an example i would start saying no i i could do anything i could do a, i could do a catwalk show like no one can tell me i'm too short or whatever like you never know anything is possible there's so many opportunities out there ready for me once i am at alignment with them and um that is when things start kind of finding their way because you're like you said you're not blocking yourself so much and so I'd say that's definitely one of the biggest things. And it's almost similar to what you were saying about not letting people talk you out of things or talk you down because I've had that so much in my life and I don't know why. And maybe it's, I mean, I think it's good because it just tests you and it helps you to kind of come back stronger in a way. But I've left a couple of agencies now because of the way they were kind of making me feel about myself and that's when you know it's bad it's not just what they're saying to you but it's if they start making you doubt yourself it's just so dangerous and I think definitely that's come with age because most young models start when they're about 16 or 18 and you're very vulnerable and you're very like open to things and you're this is like your manager your boss kind of so you kind of are ready to listen to anything they say and believe it and um I think that's why, again, it's good to have a support system to, to stay like in your own power um, and just never let anyone tell you you can't do something. And I remember when I was younger, I would hear this quote and I was like, well, what if they do tell me I can't do something? Like, maybe they're right. And like, as I've got older, I've just discovered, you know, like life is like yours and people can tell you based on their experiences that you can't do something but it doesn't mean you don't have completely different experiences and you don't have completely different skill set or energy and like mindset that's so much to it and I think if you're driven and you have uh, a real goal in mind like you can definitely find your own way to do things like it's not just so black and white um but yes, in manifestation, I'd say definitely self-worth is a big thing. Um, and for me, I guess I have like a kind of formula of different things I'll do, um, but in no particular order, I would also do mind maps and brainstorming and list making and occasionally like vision boards. Or if I don't want to do like a creative vision board, I will write down just like visions and and things I want to work on or want to work towards. Um, and yeah, the self-worth um, and limiting beliefs is a big thing too. So again, like blocks, um, I try and do a lot of work on like self-inquiry and like really acknowledging how I'm talking to myself and communicating to myself and noticing what's blocking me and what's triggering me. So 
that can be things in my life or that can be just, just like my self-talk where it's just not constructive and sometimes I'll meditate or I'll just write things down and then I'll swap those thoughts with like an affirmation or something and a lot of it um has come from the secret I'm sure you know the secret <laughs> so I definitely was inspired by the secret which is a book um but it's also got a Netflix adaptation now so it's really good if you just want to watch it um and a few other a few other um books and I think actually the secret was like the second or third thing I've read but um the first thing I got into after I was studying yoga and meditation I discovered the law of attraction and that really opened up a lot of um things for me it was actually when I was in Berlin I was listening to that I came to Berlin to do my teacher training with an American teacher so I was there for two weeks and I had like an hour walk to the studio every day and I would listen to this audiobook on the law of attraction and it was just like so nice. It was so good. Um, so yeah, the law of attraction and that's for people listening. It's like energy and stuff again. It's like the way you think attracts things to come into your life of the same kind of feeling and how positivity attracts more good and more of what you want and how negative thinking and stuff is like really detrimental and um yeah <laughs> i'm so glad you brought up the topic of self-worth because i really think that's where it all starts mm. and that's it's so essential for everything to evolve in your life and um i mean i started modeling quite late i was already in my beginning mid-20s um mm. so that's when most models already stop again and so for me, it was easier, I suppose, or I already had found myself to a degree and it was easy for me to set my boundaries and decide um, which jobs I want to take. I was already a pretty strong personality then. And so I also was always in a, in a kind of like a niche modeling scene and not into the seven days a week, like you explained when you're 16 and you're nonstop working. Um, so how was that for you when you were scouted, when you were 15? I mean, that's really when you said when we're still very vulnerable and when we're still don't have found our own self-worth and boundaries, uh, generally saying, um, and you were already saying that at these times you had some pressure for maybe losing weight from your agency or maybe pressure with the job. So what would you say was the most difficult thing for you starting so early, but also in your modeling career that in terms of modeling you had to deal with? Um, I don't know, actually, like when I was much younger, it was fine. When I was 15 to about 18, I didn't find anything too much. And I was also still kind of chaperoned to things with my parents. or so like they were very much involved with the communication with the agency then. Um, and I was still at school. So that was a time when it was just super exciting for me. I was like, this is great. I'm just going to like see how, how long this lasts. And it was fun to be like talking with my friends about stuff at school. And I was always interested in fashion and stuff. So that was a really nice um, phase. And then moving to London, it was definitely just the, the weight for me. Like I wasn't overweight in any way, but I was just getting hips more than, you know, than I had before and for me I have like a tiny waist I'm like 23 waist and my hips are a little bit wider so it's more accentuated and I think that was always an issue for me my hips like and that's something that I still have kind of trauma around because 
of how my agent would talk to me about it and how I just came to think about it in myself. It's really ingrained in my body. Like um, that's like my problem area, you know, and I don't want to have to feel like that, but it's just something I picked up, like, which you, you do after a while. I think if you're really, I mean, it's also one of the things you're measured on most as a model, like from any client or in shows and stuff. And it's not just one specific agent. It's kind of like a, a, a problem that a lot of my friends have the same kind of thing. So um, I think that was like the biggest struggle for me. It wasn't really um, traumatic at the time, but it was disheartening and I would be like scared to go into the agency sometimes and just, I guess, I think now my agents would like never speak to me in the way that they, that my other agents used to speak to me. And I think I would sometimes go into the agency and they would just, they wouldn't even say hi and they'd just be like, oh, you look puffy or like, oh, like they would, it's like the first thing they say. And it's kind of like, it's hard to get that balance because it, your job is all about the way you look. So it's kind of is acceptable, but also it's like really not a good way to speak to someone, especially a young girl going through like enough stuff as a young woman, you're going through changes and you're like, I think women in general, we do experience a lot of like, change in our bodies and a lot of issues with our self-acceptance and self-love whether or not you're a model so I think definitely that was kind of um shocking in, in a way and like kind of hard for me and I didn't want to have that relationship with my agent where I didn't want to go into the agency anymore because I was scared of being attacked in that way but and I didn't also want to feel attacked because I know that it's just the agency and the industry sometimes so I wanted to kind of accept it as well, but sometimes it was hard to accept and sometimes I would definitely let it get to me. So um, that's probably the hardest thing. Everything else I found to be really positive in my um, modeling industry and, and experience. But then I also think it's nothing that's super personal to me. I think it's just part of the job, maybe not so much now, but I think it definitely helped that other friends were definitely having the same comments from people in the industry and you're always going to have in the back of your mind some kind of um, doubt and I don't know self-consciousness. <laughs> you're also part from um, a collective uh, the model activist or model mm -hmm. mafia former um, so that's a group of um, models who got together in order to change some things in the industry that are not working correctly so what exactly is it about what what is your approach for change what would you like to see differently in the model industry um, I don't know I'm really glad you brought this up actually and it's almost something else I feel like I somehow manifested because I remember reading this amazing Vogue article with Cameron Russell who's the founder and like two weeks later I went to the Green Carpet Fashion Awards in Italy and I went to like a pre-event which was quite an intimate kind of screening and there was a row of seats that was like pretty much empty and I sat on the end of it and then Cameron sat down the other end and I was like oh my god this is crazy so I remember having this like moment of feeling like I really want to I'm so inspired by her um, and I just introduced myself and I was, I remember being so nervous and like, I'm never like star, starstruck, but I was like, oh, you're so amazing. Um, and from there, I think I reached out afterwards and we um, began speaking and I became a part of the um, collective. 
And I was just really inspired in everything that they're doing and giving models a voice, but also nothing super specific. It's such a variety of topics that they're covering and encouraging people to talk about. And they're also just encouraging some of the girls to do their own projects. So um, definitely I loved the collective vibe in a way that it's like a really nice community and we're sharing things every day. And um, this is just inspiring in so many ways. Um, and I kind of came on board more from like a wellness point of view at this time i was doing a lot with my agency um with new models who were signing to the agency um when i was at img they were like bringing in new models and doing like welcome days and i would do like a nutrition talk and like kind of create this manual for them so that it was ways to kind of stay well as a model um so i was very much focused on that so at the beginning i was kind of giving wellness advice and um, I was just passionate about like helping models in that way on like a, a physical and um, well-being way. And now uh, also sustainability, I was getting into that very much a couple of years ago. And I think that was something I um, was really interested in all the work they were doing um, with environmental issues and climate change. So, um, yeah that was the reason I got involved and I'm still passionate about those two ideas and I think most of my involvement I'm basically um on the, the board in London so it's mostly based in America um but there's like four or five of us working on the London side of things um so it's been really nice to organize events with people um with the rest of the team in London and recently i think it was just before the lockdown so we had so many ideas for this year but we were like really passionate about doing more events bringing models together talking about kind of work and career and things you can do as like on us on the side like starting your own project also mindfulness and anxiety so we did one event which was kind of a workshop based thing but it also had like a meditation at the end and it was just like really nice kind of nourishing event and I think we're, we're really passionate about doing like more for helping people with anxiety and mindfulness, um, well-being still, and working really to support all the communities um, in the fashion industry, but beyond as well. Definitely focused on like climate change personally, um, and just all areas like diversity in the industry and helping people who are starting out and just kind of trying to to create a community that's really supportive for for people yeah that it's such a beautiful platform and all the models there i've spoken to several already in my podcast it's just such a beautiful community of models and yeah really grateful for each mm -hmm. one of you guys <laughs> yeah it's so nice to connect with people as well and like on a different you know we don't really talk about modeling much it's actually all the other stuff which is why it's so interesting to me and i learn a lot from other girls on there and it's just like sharing resources and going to events showing up supporting people with their projects it's it's a really really nice vibe 
Mm, which leads us back to where we were talking about earlier that when we share our experiences and when we really ask people for help and we help each other, then we can, we can learn so much and grow even stronger. Mm. So Danielle, thank you so, so much for your time and speaking with me. It's so interesting, everything that you said, and I'm super excited to share this with everyone. Is there any last thing that you would like to share before we end this conversation? No, I don't think so. I think um, it would be really nice to connect with anyone listening so they can reach me on Instagram and I have websites as well where I share some other rituals and tips and I'm going to be also hosting like live workshops and live um, online kind of chats and stuff if they want to get involved so it would be really nice to connect with people if and if they have questions about whatever I've said I'm totally happy to connect with them on Instagram. Yay. I will obviously link up to all your um, connection points in the show notes so people can find you on all the platforms and get in touch. I would highly recommend so. <laughs> Thank you.